0: Father, we thank you, Father. We praise you. We worship you. Father, we just glorify your precious name, Lord. Your holy name. Lord, whom have we in heaven but you? There's nothing on earth we desire apart from you. Our heart And our strength. Many times they will fail. But God is the King of our heart and our portion forever. Yes, Lord, even as we sung in the morning, we have sung in the morning, oh Lord, give us grace. To added afflictions, you add your mercy. Oh Lord, when we have exhausted our store of endurance, our Father's giving us only begun. This morning, give us your word. Give us your word, O Lord. We come to you and you alone and you and you alone have the words of life. Speak to our hearts. Speak to our hearts, we pray. Speak to us. Speak, O Lord. Father, as Samuel said, speak, Lord, your servant hears you. This morning, therefore, O Lord, speak to us, speak to us, O Lord. Father, come against every spirit of distraction. Come against every spirit of tiredness. In the name of Jesus, give us alertness, O Lord, in our our bodies and in our minds. Give us strength to concentrate and to follow the train of thought and the mind of the spirit and enable us to experience your peace in our lives. Therefore, give us unction and grant us authority so that we may speak and we may be able to hear your voice. Thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. In the light of uh, what we've been studying about convictions in uh, uh, during the last Sunday and also during Wednesday, just following the train of thought, titled today's message as, Be Saved from This Generation. As Pastor was saying, that the new covenant begins in Acts chapter 2. That's where it began on the day of Pentecost when Peter rose up along with the other apostles and Peter stands up and he starts preaching and, and you know the end of the service, you have 3,000 souls being added into the kingdom. That is where it starts in Acts chapter 2. That's where we'll start today. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the, and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? They were cut to, to the heart. Convictions. Began then. Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off as many as the Lord our God will call. And they all who heard the message, they came and they got baptized. But before they got baptized, something else happens. Look at what it says. In verse 40 onwards, same chapter 2, verse 40. And with many other words, I don't know how many words he spoke. So many words. Peter spoke so many and and, and, and uh, Luke is trying to record them. And he said, well, okay, okay, let me just try to understand what the gist of what he's trying to say. So with many words, he testified and exhorted them. Be saved from this perverse generation. That's a gun. You see that? Okay, it's like a shape of a gun. That like perverse generation. Be saved. That's the essence. And if you look at our service, many sermons <laughs> over so many weeks that have been preached from this pulpit. And what is the essence of every message that comes from this pulpit is what? Be saved from uh, this perverse generation because the standards of this generation and the standards of this world are absolutely at lockerheads with each other. The powers of darkness and the kingdom of light. That is the reason why Paul says you have been brought out from the dominion of darkness into the dominion of light. From the power of Satan to the power of God. Through faith in Jesus Christ. You see, so that you'll have an inheritance. Okay. And with many words, he testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received this word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And what happened? The moment you they gladly received the word, the convictions began to be formed in their hearts. And those convictions had to be deepened and they had to be strengthened. So what did they do? And they gathered and they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers every day of, the, from the beginning the church started. So that is how convictions been established in the church right from the beginning. And if you look at modern Christendom, one of the things that we lack is depth, strong convictions. Even though we have convictions, we don't have the courage of convictions. If you were there on, on Wednesday, the Pastor was talking about building upon the foundation. You look at very interesting passage in Matthew chapter 7, and this is what Jesus has to say. He says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does not, and does them is like, will be, uh, will be likened, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. And one of the things that I've been doing all these days is been just reading through the Gospels over and over and over and over and again. The four Gospels. Been captivated by the Gospels, studying and looking at the nuances of 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 three of the writers, especially the Synoptic writers, and of course also of John, uh, the last Gospel writer. And uh, Matthew records this, and Luke actually gives us a a little more. He amplifies it a little bit, and he tells us how to build this. How to build this house. What what does it take to build this house? In Luke's Gospel, chapter 6, this is what he says. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me, and hears my sayings, and does them, I will show you whom he is like. And he goes on to explain the guy. He is like a man building a house who dug deep. Notice that. What did he do? He dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, stream beat vehemently against the house and could not shake it for it was founded. On the rock. Why? Why did, why was it founded on the rock? Why was it so stable? Because he dug deep. See, many, many, many people have such shallow relationship with the Lord. They don't understand. They don't have depth. They don't have depth at all. It's the deep. It's when you go into the, see, uh, I'll show you what, what does depth do particularly, primarily. I'll give you an example. This is again found in gospel according to Luke chapter 5. Look at what it says. Uh, then he got into Simon's boats, one of his boats. Jesus rents Simon's boats, boat, one of his boats, and he's preaching to the crowds. So when he's preaching to the crowds, he's, a, he's in the shallow waters, and he's preaching to the crowds there. So he, he literally hires Simon's boat, and when Jesus hires anybody, he always pays them. Okay. Unlike our earthly bosses or unlike us, sometimes we cut salaries, right? From our, from our maids because they don't come regularly, but Jesus doesn't do that. He, he just uses, used him for possibly about four hours. And he said, Peter, I use your boat for four hours. and I need to pay you. Okay. For whatever it is. So he sat down and taught the multitudes and you know, the multitudes only shallow waters. You got that. And then when he stopped speaking, he said to Simon, "Launch into the deep. Take me to the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Oh boy, something happened then. Remember that miracle? And Simon said, Lord, we have, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And you know what happened? The net is full of fish and it's very heavy. He had to call all his uh, teammates and his partners to help him out. And then something happens. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at his knees saying, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. It's amazing. It is only when you go into the depths, you will understand the depths of your own sin. In shallow waters, you will not understand anything. Parable again, uh, of, of the, of the sower, everybody knows it. There's something very interesting there. You, you have to listen, read scripture carefully to get the nuances of, of, of how, as to how Jesus explains the parable. In Matthew chapter 13, this is what he says. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sow went out to sow, and he sowed. Some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. And we shared some time back what happened. Why did the birds come and devour, devour them? Some fell in stony places, where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had what? No depth. You understand? There's no depth. And therefore, even in our modern songs... Most of the songs are here at the peripheral level, at the emotional level. There is no depth. You see, when you sing Don Moyen, I mean, I'm not judging to, uh, today's worship, it was fantastic. You listen to Don Moyen songs, fantastic, we're all exuberant. And then you hear that lady who wrote that hymn. There was a shift in the way we sang that song. Because that came out of a deep relationship with God. You know, that is the reason why this generation, it is a challenge to this generation because we like superficiality so much, even in our works, workplaces, even in our research work sometimes. There's no depth. And Jesus explains as to what this means. And he tells the Parable to, uh, explains the parable to his disciples, but he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives with a joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. And you will see that many, many times, one difficulty in our lives and we stop coming to church. Stop praising God. Stop giving to God. Stop. Why? Because there is no depth in our relationship. Pastor Sundar Krishnan was something he explained this beautifully, and I borrowed this uh, animation from him. And I shared this sometime back. You know, this animation was came back to me when Pastor was uh, talking to us on on uh, uh, the fasting and prayer of the church. Remember, he drew three lines. How many of you remember that? Three lines, all the children. He said, three lines like this. And just, the moment he saw, I saw the graphic, this came to my mind. You know, Our Christian walk is like that. First, we encounter the cross. See, there is no genuine conversion unless you encounter the cross. So when people came and asked him, what, what should we do to do the works of God? Jesus said this is the work of God that you should believe in me whom he has sent why should we believe in him John 3:36 will say he who believes in him has eternal life but he who does not believe in him the wrath of god abides on him in other words when we come to the cross we understand second corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 he who had No sin became sin for us so that we in him can become the righteousness of God. What a transaction. That's exactly what happens when we encounter the cross. The moment we encounter the cross, genuine repentance takes place. And then we start walking with God. Ideally, this is what has to happen. And that's exactly what the preaching of the word does. We should increase in our understanding of the holiness of God. And when we understand the holiness of God, automatically what happens is that we also understand how sinful I am. The closer I am with Jesus, the more of the depth of my sin is exposed. The more I know God, the more my sinfulness gets exposed. And every day, this is the work that I have to do, I have to trust in him. So Lord. Nothing good in me, Lord. Nothing good in me. And what happens? The work of the cross keeps on increasing in my life progressively. It becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. That's exactly what happened to Paul. He says, first he started, he said, I was the most hardworking of all the apostles and the least of the apostles, but I worked harder than them. That is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In Ephesians he says, I'm the least of the apostles in Corinthians. I'm the least of the saints in Ephesians. And he writes his personal letter to Timothy. He says, Baba, I am the chief of all sinners. And when he's writing the book of Romans, he says, In me, that is in my flesh, there is nothing good. See, keep this in mind, saints. This is important. We don't love the Lord because we don't understand the depth of our sin. That is the reason there was a Pharisee and when he invited Jesus to his home, he says, if this man was really a prophet, he would know what this person is. And Jesus said, Simon, 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 her sins, which are many, have been forgiven and because she has been forgiven much, she loves much. What about us? Do we realize the depths of our own sin? Is the work of the cross increasing in our lives? Otherwise what happens? There's something, other, other thing that happens. You know what happens is most of the time we pretend. Okay. I, I remember when I was in, in Canada. I, I was searching for a godly church. Okay? I'm, not, I'm not judging anybody. Okay, and that was I was all by myself, alone. I went from a real fired up church in Kanpur, and then I was I was there, no fellowship, nothing, searching and searching and searching, falling several times in my sin. And I went to the ch- one one of the ch- one, I met a lady in the in the metro, in the subway, and she looked at me and she said, "Are you a believer?" I said, "Yes, yes, I'm a believer." And she said, "Okay, okay, uh, we have a church." She gave me an address of the church. I took the uh, took the address and I said, okay, fine, I'm, I'm coming. I took it as a sign from God. Keep that in mind. I took it as a sign from God. I said, I'm coming. So I searched for the address and I went to the church. There was a, la- a very old lady who, you know, who heads the church and she was preaching all fired up, etc. And everybody was fired up. I was struggling with my sin. I was defeated in my life. I was asking, I was looking at some somebody there and I was looking at this gentleman. And I went to him and I asked him, you know, brother, I'm actually struggling with sin. And he looked at me. I asked him, do you struggle? He said, no struggle, no struggle. No struggle. I said, boy, everybody is so holy in this church. I am a wreck. Why? What am I doing among these people? No struggle, no struggle. Is it true? You know what? Many times we pretend. Or sometimes we perform. What is performance? Give more offerings do a lot of works, do so many activities to camouflage our compromise. And therefore what happens is that we never grow in depth with God. Because God says, Baba, one of the things I don't want is pretense, I don't need performance. Maybe like, come on, Abigail, save, Psalm 23 and that's it. When she starts reciting Psalm 23, we think, look at my child, oh, she is so holy. No, that is performance. We all perform before God. We try to perform before and God says, Baba, what are you trying to do? You are performing the gift that I gave you and you are doing such a lousy job at that and you are trying to perform before me. And that is exactly what happens. There is no growth at all. And over a period of time, if you do not grow, what happens? The work of cross Gets diminished in our lives. It should never happen to us. And that is the reason why we need to keep on checking. You know, Pastor was talking about, do we have convictions? How deep are our convictions? He made a really, really powerful statement on Wednesday. He said, many of us have convictions, but we are so weak to follow up through our convictions. You know why? Because we do not have the courage of conviction. Why we do not have the courage of conviction because we try to pretend before God and therefore we do not have the assurance of salvation and there is no assurance of salvation. How can we have boldness? The righteous are, bold as, uh, righteous are bold as a lion. That is what the righteous are. And if we are really, really, really been apprehended by the holiness of God and our sinfulness and every day of our lives, we've been judging ourselves, you know what happens? We become bolder and bolder and bolder because we have a greater and a greater assurance of salvation. And so many people in Christendom, they do not have assurance of salvation because either they are performing or they're pretending. Which category do you belong to? Amazing, amazing. And therefore, how do we go about depth? What is the quintessential message that we, uh, that Peter was speaking with many words? This is what he said from Acts chapter 2 verse 40. With many words he exhorted them. Be saved from this untoward generation or a perverse generation. Perverse generation, twisted generation. Twisted, perverse, crooked, all these, no? Bent, twisted. You know, there's a saying in Telugu. Kukka toka patti, godavari eedadam. You know what does it mean? If you have a dog and it has a bent tail, hold it fast, tighten it up nicely with a, with a stick, and, and rope it up, and then take it through godavari. So that at least by the dampness of the water it'll straighten up. Straighten it, straighten it, straighten it. Come out, take out of the stick, do this experiment. What happens? Goes back. Calls back. That's the reason why <laughs> the preacher called Solomon, when in the book of Ecclesiastes, he becomes a preacher. The preacher. You know what he says? That which is crooked cannot be made. Straight. Kya hai. So what do I do now? Solomon, is, you are very good at giving us problem statements. But what is the solution to the problem statement? And so many of us, we are crooked in so many areas. That is the reason why we either perform or we pretend. See, that is the reason why your convictions are really Tested when nobody is watching you. Philippians will say, My dear brethren, as you have obeyed, not only in my absence, but much more in my presence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And I was teaching um, the Grace, my Grace Labanacle Learning Center, I was teaching them the devotions. I was saying, uh, we, were, we had this um, character trait during the last week is responsible. Okay, that is the character trait responsible. So I said, how do you, I mean, I was telling them, how do you, how do we we have, um, I was asking them, how how do you know that you're really responsible? I said, I'll show you an example through animal science, Okay, animal science, because they have animal science. That's how they learn the alphabet from A to Z. So I asked them the question, tell me, which is the animal So, Grace Learning Centre is not here, right? Okay. Uh, Only the teachers are here. Which is the animal which is the most responsible? And your answer is? From the animal kingdom. So, let me just uh, widen the answer a little more. People from botany, zoology, what have you background can tell me. Which is the most responsible animal in the whole of the animal kingdom? And... Fantastic. And that is the reason why he says, go to the ant, you sluggard. And it's a remarkable graphic. Go to the ant, you sluggard and consider her ways and be wise. That means you go and watch and be wise. Which having no king, overseer or ruler, no king, no overseer, no ruler will gather its food in the harvest. So if you're not like the ant, what are you? And in Proverbs chapter 10, this guy is really graphic. He said, like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is a sluggard to the one who sends him. So I, I was telling the, the children, how many of you take lemon and put it in, just, just you know, squeeze the lemon and without adding water, drink it. What will happen? <laughs> yeah. Okay. And you take smoke and put it in your eyes. What will happen? You'll start. Tearing up, exactly, you know, the way you start tearing up, the way you are just so, uh, you know, averse by that feeling, that's exactly what a sluggard is to the man who sends him. Solomon is graphic. You know, our true convictions are really tested when nobody is watching us. That is what we truly, really are. And we have to learn from ants. You see that? So we have a we have a twisted purpose generation, and therefore, and therefore, we need to ask ourselves: Do I really belong to this generation? And how do I escape being snared by this wicked and perverse generation? So Jesus will give us. I'm going to talk about two. I think that I'll have time only for two. Luke's Gospel, chapter seven. Look at what he says. He's talking about this generation okay john the baptist is in prison okay and uh when he's when he's prison he when he's in prison he sends his disciples and asking the question are you the messiah and you know the answer and he and after the disciples of john leave he tells the crowd do you know about john he's the greatest in the new testament in the in the old covenant etc 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 and then all the tax collectors and the pharisees and the and the sinners They justify God because they have been baptized in the baptism of John. And then this is what he makes. This is a very interesting statement he makes. Chapter 7, verse 31 onwards. (coughs) And the Lord said, To what then shall I liken the men of this generation? And what are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another. Saying, we played the flute. And you did not dance. We moaned. In other translations, we played the dirge. And you do not weep. Okay. And then he says, "What does it mean?" For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say that he has a what? Demon. And then he says, "And the Son of Man." Look at that. He has a demon. And the Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, "Look, a glutton and a winebibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners." And then he says. Wisdom is justified by all her children. Wisdom is justified by all her children. John the Baptist came and you said he has a demon. Son of man came. So John the Baptist message was very, very, and what was his uniform? Camels, clothing, and what is his food? Locusts and wild honey. Austere lifestyle, and he was—he had a powerful message. And he said, "Look, looked at looked at him, and he said he has a demon." And then Jesus came. He was sitting with tax collectors and sinners. Look at this guy—a wine buyer, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And Jesus says, "Wisdom is justified by all her children." Now, the point here is, what was the message of John the Baptist? In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Got it? That was the message of John the Baptist. What was the message of Jesus? So this is what the message was. And he mourned with this message. When Jesus came, now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Any change? Same message. John the Baptist said the same message? Jesus said the same message. They said, you have a demon? You are a friend of tax collectors and sinners. You know, it's a very interesting thing, no? Most of us, we become very critical about preachers. I mean, yesterday we were, I mean, you should come to men's prayer every time in men's prayer, Everything that comes out and gets shared, it becomes a message. I note it down all the time. Yeah, I'll never forget. It's like you know Sherlock Holmes, right, and Doctor Watson, right, in the in the in the in the in the jungle, and the, and suddenly in the middle of the night, and Sherlock Holmes wakes up wakes up Doctor Watson and he says, Watson, what do you see? And he sees the stars in the sky, and he says, astronomically speaking, astrologically speaking, etc., etc., etc. And he says, Holmes, what do you infer? He says, idiot, Watson, the tent is gone. There's no tent. There's no tent. We know that, and that's exactly what happens. We try to analyze the message. Oh, did you see that thought over there? That thought, that connection. This up. Uh, do you really think that guy is doctrinally sound, etc., etc., etc.? But we don't get the message. The point of the message is, please repent. Simple. You know, I'm just getting increasingly fascinated. You're living in exciting times. 500 years of the Reformation. How many years? 500 years of the Reformation. October 31st, 2017. Ahaha. It's a fantastic day in the calendar.
1: 500 years back,
0: the great Martin Luther and all you Lutherans who are here. Ex-Lutherans and the Lutherans here. Remember and refresh your memory. 500 years back, this man, Martin Luther, went onto the precipice of the Catholic Church and he, he nailed his thesis on the wall. 95 thesis. How many theses? 95 thesis. It's not 1995 thesis, 95 points in the thesis. That's what it means. And the very first point, look at what it says in the very first point. When our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, repent, he willed the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. No wonder they got angry. You are a pig, they called him. You know that? He was absolute, I mean, he was a guy of tremendous courage. They asked him, Martin Luther, what did you believe before and what do you believe now? Before I believe, the Pope, the vicar of the church is a representative of God. But now I believe the Pope is not a representative of God. He's the enemy of God and a representative of Satan. He never minced words. God himself went trouble. They called him the megalomaniac of the Reformation. I mean, God needed a man like that to start the Reformation. He was the Apostle Paul 500 years back. Couldn't care less what people thought. His convictions. he had courage of conviction. It's interesting. I started with John the Baptist and then I went to Jesus, right? I went to John the Baptist first and then I went to Jesus. Where am I going next? Acts chapter 7. When John the Baptist came and preached the message of repentance and when he was put in prison, none of the religious leaders, nor any of the people who heard their message and also including those people who heard his message and accepted the message of repentance, they never raised one voice against Herod saying, why did you put him in prison? Nobody. Scripture doesn't record in the four gospels. The people went and protested and said, Herod, what are you doing? Why did you put John the Baptist in in prison? You know what happened? When the Jews allowed John the Baptist to be put into prison, they sinned against God the Father because John the Baptist was a man sent from whom? From God. And when they crucified Jesus on the cross, they sinned against God the Son because they did not receive him. And he said, you are glutton and a wine bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Amen with you, crucify him. They sinned against God the Father when they sinned against John. They murdered Jesus and they sinned against God the Holy Spirit. Where am I going now? Ah, Stephen. He said, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in hearts and ears. You who resist the Holy Spirit, which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you have now become the betrayers and the murderers. And what did they do? They were cut to their heart. They gnashed with their teeth. And when they murdered Stephen, they sinned against whom? God, the Holy Spirit. You sin against God the Father when you sin against John the Baptist. That's the reason why Jesus said anything if you sin against the Son of Man will be forgiven you because he came to give his life as a ransom for many. That was his whole purpose. So when when uh, John and James said, when Samaritans rejected Jesus, John and John and James said Lord should we bring fire down from heaven? You do not know what kind of a spirit you are. The son of man did not come to kill, but he gave, he came to give his life as a ransom for many. That was the reason he came. And then you stiff necked these people. That's the reason why when they heard these things, they were cut to their heart and they gnashed with their teeth. They were all cut. They were convicted. But you know what? They never humbled themselves and they never not repent. They resisted against the Holy Spirit. That is the reason why I'm telling you. The most dangerous thing for us to do is to resist the work of the Holy Spirit. That is the reason why scripture will say in Hebrews chapter 3, the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the day of provocation in the wilderness. When this generation saw my acts and then I mean, tested me and saw my acts and I was grieved. Why? Why Holy Spirit? Why Holy Spirit? Scripture says don't quench the Spirit. Don't grieve the Spirit. Don't insult the Spirit of grace. Why? Why? John's Gospel chapter 16. Important. Very important. The word conviction in the New Testament has several connotations. Look at what the first first point is. When he has come, Who? The Holy Spirit. He will what? Convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment, of sin, because they do not believe in me. You could believe in me and get your sins cleansed, but you would not. Of righteousness because I go to my father, and of judgment because the prince of this world has already been judged. The only way as convictions can be established in our lives, is by allowing the Holy Spirit to keep on doing the work of conviction every day of our life. And that's exactly what happened when they rejected John. They rejected the Holy Spirit, the conviction that John brought. So what is this generation? What is the attitude of this generation? So if you look at all these passages, what is that Attitude of the generation that comes out and stands out. Second Timothy will talk about this. Chapter 3 verse 16 and 17. Look at this. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine and for reproof. You know what the word reproof? Again is the word convict. It is profitable for doctrine, for conviction, That is, this is the doctrine, and this is where I am. Boy, I'm convicted. For instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And therefore he goes on to say the next chapter, Second Timothy chapter 4, I charge you therefore God, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and dead at His appearing and His kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Look at this, convict, the same word, convince, convict, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Why? Because a day is coming when they will not endure sound doctrine, but because, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their eyes away from truth and be turned aside to fables. They will be turned aside to fables. They will not endure sound doctrine. So what is the quintessence of this generation? They hate reproof. They hate correction. Look at the Proverbs. This will be music to your ears. Look at this. Fantastic Proverbs. Chapter, chapter, chapter 9 of Proverbs and verse 7. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse. He who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Look at this. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. How many of you wise? Wisdom is justified by her? Children. Look at this. I love this. You know, this is music. The scoffer does not like to be reproved. He will not go to the wise. (laughs) Look at this. Another translation. This is NKJV. The scoffer does not love the one who corrects him. Nor will he go to the wise. You know what happens? So when you... It's like this, you know, even in children, when they come, come home, they know daddy. Daddy, you shout at me. I don't want to say anything to you. Mommy, I did this. At that exact time, both mom and dad will stand and say, this is not acceptable in this home. You know, it's interesting, right? We all go to people Who will not reprove us? We'll say, oh, chalega brother, it's okay. It's okay, it's okay. Chalega. Everybody does it. Nth class students in GSS, do you want me to be be your teacher in maths? No, uncle. You teach me, uncle. Vijayana, no. I don't know who are that. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. And one of the things that I hate when children come and ask, they say, uncle, I forgot. I said, how can you forget? You know why you forgot? Because you never thought that your life was dependent upon it. How can we forget? You know why we forget is because we never think that our eternal life is dependent upon it. And that is the reason why we choose for ourselves teachers who will itch our ears because we will never go to the wise because the wise will always reprove us. We hate people with wisdom. That is this generation who does not like to be corrected. I love Proverbs. It's music. Uh, You know what? Nowadays, I read Proverbs and then I go to the men's meeting. Lord, I'm geared up, Lord. All the categories to, re, re, to receive reprove are there in my mind now. I'm, I'm ready. How, do you, how many of you come to a meeting like that? Honestly, you know, one of the things that I really, really get scared to come is on a fasting and prayer. It is a love and hate relationship I have. Honest. Because you get to hear tough things. You thought the pulpit was tough, right? Come on a fasting and prayer. You will know what is toughness. Look at another proverb. Music again. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 31 and 32. The ear that listens to life giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Ah, just just savor this. The ear that listens to life giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Look at this, another, another translation, another, another verse. He who neglects discipline despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. Got it? How many of you want to become intelligent? I keep telling the some people, you don't have to be intelligent, you have to be diligent. If you diligently expose yourself to reproof, what will you become? Intelligent. Honestly, you want to solve, solve math problems? Really? And you find it really difficult to solve them? Come to Jesus. I'm not saying. I'm not joking. Come to him. He will open up your mind. And he will give you ideas. Do you believe it? Look at what he says in Proverbs chapter 6. For the commandment is a lamp. Teaching is a light. And the reproofs of discipline are the way of life. To preserve you from the evil woman, from the smooth tongue of the adulteress. Do not desire her beauty in your heart and do not let her capture you with her eyelashes. Oh boy, you need wisdom. You know what? What do you need wisdom to fight? You need wisdom to fight lust in your life. You need wisdom. You know what? People who fight lust are wise people. Do you know that? That is the reason why Paul tells Timothy, Timothy, right from childhood, you've been trained in the Holy Scriptures, which is able to make you what? Wise unto salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Remarkable verse. I love that verse. Who taught them? From childhood, Lewis and Eunice taught you the Holy Scriptures. And you know what happened? In Acts chapter 16, when Timothy is first mentioned, it is very interesting. It does not say... They met a believer called Timothy. They say it says they met a who a disciple called Timothy. They met a disciple called Timothy. He was already a disciple. Apostle Paul looked at him. Baba, you're already all the categories of discipline are already established in your mind. Come to my work. Come and work with me. That's exactly what you can do. Mother is here. Train up your children in the ways of the Lord. Teach them the scriptures so that they can be made wise unto salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. It is not that you just make them memorize scriptures. Teach them that scriptures will make you wise unto salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Teach them the redemption story. Teach them. You have an incredible responsibility, mothers. You don't have to have the pulpit. You have a pulpit at home so that you can make Timothy's And when Paul's of this generation come, they say, Baba, this guy is already disciplined. Categories are there. Come on, come on, come on. Join my workforce. And know what happens? This is the man who stays with him, with Apostle Paul, to the end of his life. Even in prison. He doesn't write to anybody. He says, come, Timothy, get the parchments, get the books, and please get me the coat. The blanket. I can trust you. Wow. Awesome. Why? Categories. Of discipline and reproof have been constantly being made a part of his life and of his thinking. How many of you in this place love correction? And this is a generation which hates discipline, hates correction, hates the kind of teachers that you choose for yourself actually says a lot about your heart. And we had a professor called PRK Rao in our university. Incredible, brainy guy. He used to teach us probability theory. One of the most toughest courses to crack. If you get two marks in the exam, you get a B. B grade. After the semester is over, we used to ask him, "Sir, why do you make jobs so difficult for us and mess up our CGPA?" (laughs) Why do you make it? He said, "You know what, Vijay? I met a guy." In the airport the other day. He came running to me. He was my ex-student. He looked at me and he said, Sir, I know probability theory because of you. Because of you. You should have such phobia with this professor. Why? Taking his course was you, you took the course? Can you please drop it? My 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 professor was scared when I took that course. Because he knew who Pierre Kerao was. You know, when people have, when they choose courses in a university, they go to the professor who's cool in grading. Grading kaisa hai? Ikka mil jayega. What is ikka? A grade. Koi problem ne ikka mil jayega. Kamse kam bikka mil jayega, yaar that is B. Cool prof hai. Ye bada prof hai yaar. That's a language. And you know what? Very few students come and take those courses in the class. And when they take the courses and you know that these people are going somewhere, they do research, deep research. Don't fear tough teachers. Those are the people that day, that day, on the day of judgment, you will thank all the tough teachers in your life, including your tough professors. Because they taught you discipline. I thank my parents every day of my life now. Thank God for such monsters they were in my life. (laughs) <laughs> I can say that. I'm happy. Reproofs of instruction are a way of life. Reproofs of discipline are a way of life. Why? To preserve you from evil signs. Why do we give you tough messages? Because we love you. That is the reason why Hebrews chapter 12 you want to see the other nuance of true conviction Hebrews chapter 12 you have not resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin how many of you have shed blood like Jesus in Gethsemane but let me tell you everybody in one one day or the other they will have your hour of Gethsemane like Martin Luther had I cannot forget this man I am just loving him these days I'll tell you what happened. That day, the day of his trial, he was brought. And the entire nation was, I mean, the the clergy and everybody was watching him and they said, Brother Luther, recant all that you have said and you have written. Otherwise, the consequences. A huge hall, packed with people. And he murmured something. They couldn't hear. What he said. What did you say? Can you just give me 24 hours time, please? Then he goes back to his cell and he's, and he's struggling in prayer with God. And you know what? All the biographers, they said that was the Gethsemane for Martin Luther. He was literally shedding blood that night and he comes back the next day. The entire people over there. And this man is there again asking the question. Brother Luther, will will you recant everything that you have said? And he looks at them into their eyes. And he says, unless I am convinced by sacred scriptures or by evident reason, I will not recant. Why? Because my conscience is held captive to the word of God. And to act against conscience is neither right nor safe. I can't do nothing. God help me. That is how Reformation started. Because of that sentence. Many of you ex Lutherans, do you know what Martin Luther paid the price? You know. The kind of insights that Martin Luther has given to the church are remarkable. Yes, he had his mistakes. I'm not discrediting all the mistakes that he has made. But look at the positives. The first communion. The first communion. That he was, after he was ordained as a Catholic priest, he was, the, the ordination servant, a service, I mean, whatever, the, the ceremony ends with him breaking the bread. And in the Catholic tradition, they feel that when the breaking of bread happens during the time of communion, they feel that the very bread that has been broken becomes the body of Christ. That is, the, that is the tradition that they have. And so Martin Luther has gone through his lines thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of times and his father comes for his ordination ceremony and his father was, of course, he hated his profession because he wanted, to be, wanted him to become a lawyer. But that day... Anyways, he wants to come and he see, wants to see his son getting audience. And when he, the time has come for this guy to break the bread, you know what happens? He suddenly starts trembling and the lines that he memorized over thousands and thousands of times do not even come out of his mouth. And his father is looking at him. Everybody's looking at him, everybody is observing, and the father is he's embarrassed at the son and he's turning his eyes over oh, this fellow ultimately here also he failed me. Somehow he mumbles his words and he just comes on and they ask, him, they ask him. They ask him, they ask him this question. Martin, what happened, Luther? Brother Luther, what happened to you? Why did you not say the lions? And he said, At that moment, when I was breaking the bread. I suddenly had this feeling in my hands that I was handling the very body of Christ and I was breaking it. And it was too much for me. That is a father of reformation, saints. That is how lightly likely sometimes we come to the table. Look at this. And you have, so you have not resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. And you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to to you as sons. my son. Do not regard lightly, you see, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are convicted by him. That's a word. Why? For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines and he scourges every son he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which of which all of you have become partakers, then you are not sons, but illegitimate children. And KJV uses a word, a very strong word. He uses the B word. And you have an entire generation which are illegitimate spiritual children without discipline. Amazing. They don't have discipline. They hate correction. For those whom the Lord loves, He disciplines. That is the reason why Proverbs chapter 5 is a remarkable word in Proverbs chapter 5. Notice young people, listen to this. This is, this is the heart of a father. And his son has come to the end of himself. This is what he has to cry out. He says, and you groan at your final end when your flesh and your body are consumed. And you say, how I hated instruction and spurned all reproof. I've hated, I've, I've not listened to the voice of my teachers, not inclined my ear to my instructors. I was almost in utter ruin in the midst of the assembly and the congregation. You know what? There is an irresist, ir, uh, reversible effect in your life when you continue to spurn the voice of reproof and correction in your life. That is this generation. A generation which hates discipline. Hates Discipline. Tough words they don't like. I remember one of the parents who came to our school. We're teaching. We're telling the parent, this is the test that we have done for your child. And he has failed in these exams. Oh, please don't use the word fail. Hey, we didn't call him a failure. Failure. We just said we failed in these exams. Oh, don't use fail, please. Amazing. That's parents. And no no wonder they have children like that. Like pastor says, no, Vijay, there are no delinquent children, they're delinquent parents. You have to come to men's prayer everybody all the men not the boys the men it's a challenge for you one of the things that he that we were we were told in a house if two parents are disciplined that's the best home that that the child can be raised in if one of the parent is indisciplined it is better for the child not to be there in that home because it's already divided it is better for them to have a single mother or a single father who is disciplined. Powerful words. Hmm. What a generation we live in. You see that, right? We don't like to correct people. We don't like to. You, call a spade a spade. Jesus never minced words. He called them uproot of vipers. And Paul is amazing. In one of the he calls Bar Jesus, remember the sorcerer, Bar Jesus, you son of the devil, you enemy of all unrighteousness. That's what he says. Oh, he'll not use those words. And Peter looks at Simon the sorcerer and he says, You, your heart is not right with God. Your heart is full of bitterness. It's a god, it's in the gall of bitterness and cursing. And he said, Oh. Please pray to God that uh, none of these things happen to my life. You cannot live in the midst of fired up preaching and be a cold believer. No way. No way. No way. Wisdom is justified. Wisdom is justified by her children. So how are we going to be the child of wisdom? How are we going to become the children of wisdom? Tell me, how do we become the children of wisdom? How do you and I know that we are indeed the children of wisdom? And we are not a part of the generation. In Matthew chapter 11, the very same passage, a nuance. Look at what he says. The son of man came eating and drinking and they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners and everybody read this yet read that. Wisdom is justified by her deeds. Ah, you see, brother, deeds, you're not saved by works. Matthew chapter 3, well, look at this, when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to the baptism, he said, O generation of vipers who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come, bring forth therefore fruits, meat for Repentance. Look at it. This is Paul. You know what Paul said? The one who believes, who trusts in him, who justifies the ungodly and does not work for it, his faith is credited to him as what? Righteousness. Look at, this is what he says. Therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, and throughout all the region of Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, and record that, performing what? Deeds in keeping with repentance. See that? If you have truly repented, your entire attitude toward life will change. It will show in the way you behave. Towards money, towards relationships, towards every area of your life. That's exactly what happened to Zacchaeus. Half my goods I will give. If I have wronged anybody four times I will return. Deeds in keeping with repentance. That is the reason why James will say, as the body is dead without the spirit, faith without works is also dead. You say that you have faith without your works, I will show you my faith by my works. There are words, there are deeds of repentance. Return the money that you have borrowed from people. Return. You know, when you read the Bible, you read the scriptures. Why no? You know why many people don't understand the scriptures? Because they don't allow the scriptures to reprove them. I was reading Psalms 35 or 37. It says, the wicked borrows and do not pay back. What is that? A wicked borrows and do not pay back. And I borrowed so, many, so much of money from so many people. And I looked at that and conveniently forgot. I was reading the Bible. The wicked borrow and do not f- pay back immediately I was convicted by the Holy Spirit and I started shaking like that. And I called all my creditors everywhere in every part of the world and returned every pie. And somebody, I forgot, I returned more. Deeds in keeping with repentance. Oh, so many people just forget. Conveniently forget. And they play hide and seek with creditors. Performing deeds in keeping. With their repentance. What happens? The moment he said that, what happens? For this reason, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. That's it. The first attitude of this generation, saints. An attitude of spurning reproof and correction. Reproof and correction. Oh, let us not be like that generation who hates reproof. Let us love reproof. Let us increase in our intelligence. Increase in our intelligence. And the second part I want to talk about. The second attitude of this generation. Matthew chapter 12, verse 38. Then some of the scribes and the Pharisees answered him saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them and he said, What is this? An evil and an adulterous generation seeks for a sign. But no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. We know it. What is that? What is this generation? An evil and an adulterous generation. An evil and an adulterous generation. What is this generation? Show us and we will believe. Show me and we will believe. Jesus says, believe and you will see. If you believe, Martha, you will see the glory of God. Oh, please help my son. Help my son, help my son. Your disciples could not cast him out. Oh, faithless and a perverse generation. How long should I bear you? Lord, please help me. All things are possible for all, for to whom he, to whom he, or to whom he who believes. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Help. Believe and you will see. And what will, what will this generation say? Show us and we will believe. Look at John's Gospel, chapter 6. And we know the context of this chapter, right? Feeding of the 5,000. After the feeding of the 5,000, they wanted to make Jesus as the king. Jesus escaped. They all came searching for Jesus in boats. You know, crowds followed Jesus. And then when he looked at it and he said, You are not following me because you saw the sign? You are following me because you ate of the bread and are of full stomach. Labor not for the food that perishes, but labor for the food that goes on to eternal life. And they say, Lord, what shall we do to do the works of God? This is the work of God that you should believe on him who sent. And this is what they say. They said to him, what must we do to do uh, to do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him who has sent So they said to him, then what sign do you show that we may, what, see and believe? What work do you perform? Was it not sufficient? Was it not sufficient? Already fed 5,000 people, you want another sign? They added you. Deuteronomy chapter 13. Look at what it says. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams dreams a uh, er, uh, dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, okay? Look at that sign or a wonder. and the sign or a wonder that he tells comes to pass. and if he says, what does he do? Look at this now. He shows you a sign and a wonder and then teaches you. Jesus taught them for several days and then he showed them a sign. The sign was to authenticate the preaching that he has already done. What false preachers do, they show you a sign and show them a false teaching. What is the essence of that? To drive you away what we call a spiritual adultery. Turning away from the living God. That sign and a wonder comes to pass. And that's the reason why, amazing. Paul Pastor was talking about it, no? He said, till the old covenant, they used lots. New covenant, everything else was what? Leading of the Holy Spirit. Many believers are signs and wonders believers. I'll tell you, I mean, it's not, there's no problem when you start off your journey with a sign and a wonder. It's like this, no? Lord, I want to hear something from you. I'm going to open the Bible. Show me a word, Lord. Show me a word. Show me a word. They don't say that, but they open it up. Oh, they find, oh, God has forgiven you all your sins. Ah, thank you, Jesus. I needed that assurance. It's good when you started off. You know, many of many people, when they, you know, when they actually got converted, they read the Gideon's Bible in a just before uh, doing suicide. They saw a Gideon Bible and they took the Gideon Bible and they read it, and they got saved. Fine, that was a sign and a wonder. But if your life is full of signs and wonders all the time, you're you're playing spiritual roulette like this, no, all the time. And God will see one day. This fellow always does this. Oh Lord, I'm going through a problem. I want a solution to my problem. Lord, how long have you been in church? Several years now. Lord, I know the way I got converted. I opened the Bible and that day I saw this. Now this time, what should I do? Uh, Should I marry this person? Lord, I'm giving an example. Should I marry this person, Lord? I'm feeling that this is the right person for me. Lord, I want a direction from you. Let me show you, Lord. Show me, Lord. I'm opening the Bible. Open. John's Gospel, chapter 13, verse 27. Not the first part, the second part. What do you want to do? Do it quickly. That is a sign from God. They're close and they get married. Problems start. Okay? And all again, Lord, 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 show me Lord, show me Lord. I'm gonna I'm gonna open the scriptures against so what is the solution to my problem? Matthew chapter 27, he went and hung himself. Sign and wonder. That is how they approach the Bible. I mean, the current the verses all thirteen twenty-seven. Very interesting. There is thirteen. There is twenty-seven. This is Matthew chapter twenty-seven. Numbers match. Astrology, numerology, all ology. That is the reason why, you know what, Ezekiel, in the book of Ezekiel, God will say, if you approach a prophet with an idol in your heart and ask the prophet, oh, please seek the Lord and tell me what the Lord is asking me to do. I, the Lord, will deceive the prophet and he will answer you according to the idol in your heart. You shall not listen to the words of his mouth, for the Lord your God is testing you to see how strong your convictions are. Do you really love me? Do you really love me? That is the reason why. Hebrews chapter two, I'm just, just look at this, no. Hebrews chapter two, he says, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation it was declared by the lord first it was attested by those who heard while god also bore witness to the word by what With signs wonders and the gifts of the holy that was only a sign sign was to authenticate the word and not a sign to i mean not the word to authenticate the sign you saw false prophets And one of the reasons why we preach like that from the pulpit is because we want to protect you from false teachers who will lead you astray. They will never reprove you. They will never exhort you. They will never never correct you. That's the reason why we had three examples of this man. What's his name? Uh, Uriah the Hittite who hits us with his convictions even when he was drunk and even when David has to say, please drink, he will not drink. Rechabites! Even when the prophet Jeremiah, who has such a fantastic record, calls him into the temple and gives him water wine to drink, they will say, No, we, want to do, we don't want to drink. Galatians 1, look at what he says. I'm astonished that you are so quickly desert, deserting him who has called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel. Look at what he says. Look at what he says. He says, Even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to your gospel contrary to the one you, that we have preached to you. Let him be accursed. Let him be an anathema. If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be an anathema. If anybody preaches another gospel, and if you believe it, the one who preached and the one who listened, both anathema. We are all like Peter. You know what Peter? Peter was just like us. All the disciples started. We, we were all signs and wonders, guys. Takes them to the Mount of Transfiguration. And then, this man, I mean, Jesus is glorified. Right? Remember that? Jesus is glorified. Elijah comes. Moses comes. Peter sees. And he says, Lord, it is good for us to dwell here. Let us put one tabernacle for you, tabernacle for Moses, and tabernacle for Elijah. And let's dwell here. Let us dwell at the place of signs and wonders. Please shut your mouth. Listen to my son. And this is what the epistle to 2nd Peter, look at what it records. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were what? Eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he, when he received honor and glory from God the Father, the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And it, he did not stop the letter over there. Look at what he says, the next verse. We ourselves heard this voice, born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. We were with him, but we continue to dwell there? No. And then he says, look at this verse 19. And we have a prophetic word. What is this? word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention. don't pay attention to the sign and wonder that we have spoken about. Pay attention to the word that we have spoken. As to a lamp shining at a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. That is what he's talking about, this generation of science and wonders generation. We want everything easy, easy, hard thinking, especially in Pentecostal circles. Art cats made this very powerful sen- statement. He said, "We Pentecostals are suspicious of people who think." Or he's thinking too much. Don't you see? You know what Paul says? In Second Timothy chapter two verse seven he says, "All the things that I taught you." What should you do? Think on those things. Who will give you understanding? The Lord will give you understanding. Think on those things. Be a diligent student of the Word of God. Be absolutely fired up about the Word of God, not about signs and wonders. Be excited when you find something new from the Word of God. Not a sign and a wonder and a miracle. You know what? What? I'll tell you, I'll tell you how we can test ourselves. We've been asking God for a breakthrough in our finances. Lord, I need a breakthrough. And suddenly we get a breakthrough in our finances. We are so excited. We got a breakthrough. And then we're reading the word of God. We're not understanding anything. Lord, Lord, please, Lord, let the scriptures become more clear. Let revelation come in and God gives you a revelation, which will excite you more. The fact that you got a revelation from the word of God or the fact That God gave you a financial breakthrough. Tell me which. Then I'll know whether you're a sign and a wonder Christian or a really a word Christian. Man shall not live by signs and wonders alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The sign and a wonder filled people. The bellies are filled. That is the reason why he says the coming of the lawless one is The activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing. Why? Because they refuse to love the truth and be saved. They didn't like the word of reproof. They didn't like the word of correction in their lives. And then he says, therefore the Lord, who sends them? God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that they may be condemned. Who do not believe the truth, but our pleasure in unrighteousness. A wicked and an adulterous generation. What generation? A wicked and an adulterous generation. I'll just share a small thing that happened recently. I went to my university a few, few days back. 10 o'clock in the night. My prof is always in the lab. I know he's, you know he's going to be in the lab. I met him. I said, "Sir, I just want to come and meet you. How are you doing, etc." So we're talking, and he said, "Vijay, it's been a year that's, that's you, that you left, but I'm still fascinated, Vijay. You still believe all this is true? What if all this is false?" I gave him some answers, you no. Know. He said, sir, in the beginning was the word, etc, etc, etc. And he said, Vijay, you've got a postmodern mindset, Vijay. You're trying to interpret your Bible with your postmodern, postmodern mindset and satisfying your ego. Okay, we had an interesting discussion and the discussion was over. And I came back and I was not satisfied with the discourse that I had. I'm like, how, how is this, Lord, how do I answer these people? If, for example, somebody comes and says, what if Christianity is false? I mean, all this is false. When, how are you, how, how, how sure are you about this? The other day I was, uh, listening to John Piper. He made a, he was, he made a, he wrote a book called All That Jesus Taught. I mean, that, that became my inspiration to, uh, go through the gospels rigorously. I've been studying the gospels and he's been, he's been my inspiration. So he wanted to kind of promote that book. So he gave a one hour talk on the book. At the end of the talk, he was open to questions. I mean, it was actually three hours talk, if I'm right, or two hours talk. And at the end of the talk, there were questions, question answer session. One guy comes and asks a question out of the blue. I mean, not, nothing to do with the book. And he comes and says, John. I want to ask you this question. I mean, they didn't call. They call in U.S. They don't call him Pastor John and all. No, there's no respect per se that way. Uh, they say, John, what if? What if? Do you ever struggle with these thoughts? What if all that you believed is false? What if? I can never forget that answer. I mean, I just pierced my heart and I had tears in my eyes when he made that statement. He said, "Yeah, sometimes I struggle. Sometimes, yeah." I'm not saying that I don't struggle with these questions. But let me tell you something. More than I know the Bible, I know the person of the Bible. And he said, it's like this. It's like this. I've been married to Noel for about 40 years now. And if you were to go and ask Noel, when I'm off on a mission trip, on a conference, if you were to go and ask Noel, 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 do you think that you can trust John? What if he's fooling around with other women behind your back? He's possibly just going to a conference, trying to fool you and maybe he's doing something. We don't even know. And he looked at his wife and he said, my wife is in the audience here. Let me tell you, my wife, I know what my wife will answer. She will say, I know my husband. It's 10 o'clock in the night. He's in the hotel room. I know what he's doing. he's.'" Turning his back towards the television. He has just prayed his prayer and is fast asleep. He will not even allow the television to come, to corrupt his mind. He's gorging out his eyes, cutting off his hand. I know my husband. I came back home. Justin and I were both discussing that. I said, Justin. What a man! What a man! He knows God like this. He knows God like this. You know, Paul tells this incredible excrement verses in Romans chapter three he says, "What is the advantage of a Jew and what is the value of circumcision?" Much in every way to begin with, to them belonged the oracles of God, and he says, "What if some did not believe? Does?" Their unbelief nullify the faithfulness of God. May it never be. Let God be true. Though every man a liar, as it is written, you may be justified when you speak and prevail when you are judged. Do you know God that way? Do you know him? Married people, do you know your husband and wife? Can your wife testify? Think about it. Think about it. Think about it. I know my husband. I know what he's doing. I know at this moment what he's doing. I can go into his room and I will not be surprised when I open the laptop. I will not be surprised. I know my husband. I know my wife. They asked. That's the reason why he said, when he used the word adulterous, boy, guys, I'm your bridegroom and you're asking me for a sign? You're asking me for a sign? What sign do you want? I will die for you on the cross. Is that not sufficient for you? Three days and three nights for your sins. You want a sign? You evil and an adulterous generation. You want a sign? we are living in that generation, saints. Give me a certificate of divorce. Oh, you don't understand, do you? You don't understand, do you? You don't understand, right? You don't understand. It was not so in the beginning. One man, one wife. But why did Moses allow us to give a certificate? Because of the hardness of your heart, you evil and a perverse generation. Jews demand science. Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified for my sin. Buried for my sin. Risen again for my justification. It's a stumbling block. And foolishness. That's the reason why he says, foolishness of God is wiser than men. Wiser. Because of Him. Because of Him! Because of Him. You are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. That is the reason why he tells the disciples, if any one of you would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever saves his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his own soul? For what, uh, what can a man... Uh, given return for his soul for whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation. Think about it. God says if you are ashamed of me, I am not ashamed of you. I called you my brothers. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. How do we? Do you know God? Do you? know No God that way. That way. you know him? That is the reason why Paul says, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. I want to know him. I want to know him. Wisdom is justified by her children. Finally, before I close, we are coming to communion in a few minutes. Look at what he says in Proverbs chapter 9. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set up a table. She has sent out her young woman in the form of me, not a woman, as a preacher. And all the other preachers who will preach authentically. Call from the highest places. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, Come, eat of my bread. And drink of the wine that I have mixed. Leave your simple ways. And live and walk in the way of insight. Oh, there's another lady. Who has also made a table. Her name is called Folly. What Folly says, the woman Folly is loud. My loudness is not because I'm foolish. But look at this. She's got a seductive voice and she knows nothing. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen waters are sweet. Bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there and that our guests are in the depths of shore. Where do you want to come? You want to come here? eat of my bread, drink of the wine that I have mixed. want to leave our simple ways where we don't have reproof and correction. We want signs and wonders and miracles. Where we don't have a relationship with God. Where we don't know him personally as a spouse. That is the reason why he says this is the new covenant in my blood. Drink it in remembrance of me. This is the body that I give to you. Eat it as often as you can in remembrance of me. What is the generation that we are living in, saints? We are living in a generation which hates discipline. We are living in a generation which are so simple in their understanding of scriptures and of God. They don't have depth at all. They don't have depth at all. They don't have depth. You want to come and eat of this bread? have a relationship and he's an open invitation to everybody who is, knows the Lord, I'm talking about people who know the Lord and have been baptized the right way come come to this table this morning pastor can, you... can I
1: have the worship team and the elders to come please we have heard the word In the exhortation apostle paul said on the first meeting on the day of pentecost when he asked those who heard to come out of this perverse this corrupt generation it meant every generation after that not just this generation every generation is corrupt and every generation who hears and believes comes out of their generation. Sometimes young people feel that your generation alone is corrupt. You no, know, every generation for 2,000 years and before were corrupt.
0: And everyone
1: who hears the word is called to come out. The first call, when they heard, they were cut to the heart and they asked, what should we do to be saved from their sins? Paul said, sorry, Peter said, repent. And when he taught further, what should they do to come out of this corrupt generation? He said, get baptized. Okay. So this morning, light of the word that we have heard, as we come to the table, remember this is the table that is heard in the list that happened on that day. And subsequently, they gather daily for the apostles' doctrine. The teaching brings conviction. Tested in fellowship, and then we live up that conviction in judgment, in judging ourselves. So this morning, can we have one stanza because we have time? Prepare yourselves, our hearts, minds. Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord. We thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you, Father. Your spirit still brings conviction in our hearts. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. Now, Father, as your children, we take partake of this sign that you have given us. I pray it will work a miracle in us. It will bring healing. It will bring deliverance. It will bring strength for everyone Lord. Thank you, Father. thank you. In Jesus name, we pray.
0: Amen.
1: Timothy, chapter 1, verse 12. I'm not going to preach, don't worry. 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verse 12. Summing up, ultimately, what has to be the word, 2 Timothy, chapter 1, and verse 12. It's towards the end of his life, Paul's confession. For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know. For I know whom I have believed. That's what separates a believer from an unbeliever. An unbeliever, when he is facing death, he can only say what he has believed or what he has done. Only the believer is able to say, whom I have believed. Whom I have believed. Only the true child of God is able to see the outstretched hand on the other side waiting to receive him home. All the others have to put their trust in what they have believed. What they have done. The child of God knows his eternal father is there waiting to take him home. So we are not memorizing scripture. We are trying to know the person behind scripture. But you will never know him Unless you know scripture. And start changing your life according to scripture. That's the purpose of the preaching of the word. So that we are convicted that we are not in the world. And if we are, we come back to Christ. Constantly come back. Because there are so many areas in our lives. We are not even aware we are so worldly. That is that adulterous generation. James chapter 4 will say, you adulterous people. You adulterous people, wherein you set apart for one man, Christ Jesus. And our hearts tend to go the other way. There's only one sign you need, that the sign Peter saw. Peter saw many signs, but one sign defined him. On the day he caught that fish, that's how you know an authentic sign in your life. The day he caught that fish, he fell on his knees and said, I'm a sinful man. Because we hear about so many signs happening. People go back never convicted of their sinfulness in spite of all wonders. It's only one sign we need. We see who he is and we know who we are. It's the only sign. That's a genuine sign. Genuine sign. Yet we get encouraged because we know he did not come to condemn us. But to save us. To save us. So We all need saving still. We are on the road of salvation. Everybody needs saving. Nobody is yet saved fully. We all need saving. You are continuously being saved if you receive that reproof, correction from God. Amen? We had a fantastic study from the book of Proverbs today. Fantastic. Keep that in mind. Okay. A man who wrote about reproof but never took correction. His name was Solomon. Okay. So don't be Wise like him, be wise like Christ, who took correction all the days of his life and was made perfect. Made perfect, Scripture says. Made perfect because he came in the flesh. He's the one that we follow, not Solomon. Solomon and all the others sit on the seat of Moses. Listen to them. But we follow Christ. Then shall we pray. Father, this morning we just come to you. We just thank you, Father, for the word you brought through your servant, Lord. I pray from the youngest to the oldest mind. I pray you will impress that word in our hearts. It will burn within us, Lord. That we don't go from here complicit. Complicit. We go from here convicted, Lord. There is so much, so much, so much yet you have to do in our lives. And help us to be willing and to be obedient. For you promised in your word, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the best of that land, the best of life God has prepared for us. That we might know you better and better and better as we grow in you and grow older, or oh master. I pray, Lord, none will stay in this church without that assurance of salvation. That is the assurance of knowing you. No one, no one. That they will walk in that blessed assurance. Every day. And if there is anyone in their house today. Who still doesn't know you. No scripture but doesn't know you. Father I pray. Your spirit will convict those hearts. That they too will cry out. Like they cried out on that first day of Pentecost. What should we do to be saved? For you will always answer that cry. That question never remains unanswered from heaven. Thank you, Father. Thank you. As we go into a new month, I pray you would bless your people. I pray you would keep your people. I pray you would heal your people. And I pray you will deliver your people. And I pray, above Lord, you will empower your people that we learn to walk in our deep-rooted convictions That comes from revealed scripture, Lord. Teach us to be a generation that has strong convictions and the boldness and the courage to stand up for our convictions, to be a pleasers of God and not pleasers of men. Thank you, Father. Thank you. By faithful Lord, believing the word has cleansed us, Believing the blood has cleansed us. Believing the spirit has cleansed us. We lift up holy hands in your presence this morning. And we bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. Thank you, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Rest and abide with each one of us. Amen.